What's going on guys, it's your man with the plan, Samuel Plan, coming back at you once again with another brand new installment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Thanks for tuning in guys, if you missed last week's episode you can still go catch that on demand, the way to do it is very simple, head over to Spreaker, head over to lordsofpain.net and you can catch my last episode of SCID on demand, you can also do it through your usual podcast provider as well. Please also make sure you check out all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. We have stuff coming to you each and every single day of the week, covering everything from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, TNA, Indie Circuits, British Wrestling, you name it, we've got coverage for it. So do make sure you check out all the wonderful shows. You can do so by subscribing. Don't subscribe to Lords of Pain Radio, but do subscribe to each of our shows by their individual name, and that way you can make sure you don't miss a second of the great coverage we've got for you here on Lords of Pain Radio. It is another week in my ongoing project for Sports Entertainment is Dead Year 2. If, of course, you're unfamiliar with it, and this is the first time you're tuning in, I take a guest host every single week and we explore a match chosen quite at random, historically either by myself or said guest, to explore the themes, the creative merits, the character, the narrative, its historical importance, anything that we think is worth commenting on. It's all inspired by my book, 101 WW Matches to See Before You Die, which you can still go ahead and buy on Amazon anywhere in the world. And, of course, it's also the inspiration behind my second incoming book, which will be a direct sequel to 101, but will be focused specifically on the new generation era. Both of these books explore many of the benefits that come with watching your professional wrestling as performance art rather than as sports entertainment, which, as the title of my show implies, is, in my belief, dead. That's what these match explorations aim to do as well. And this week, we have another it is Brit Rest season here on Sports Entertainment is Dead, so joining me for the first time in the history of the show actually is an individual who should be familiar to any long-term Lords of Pain visitors. He's been on a number of LOP radio shows in the past and has, of course, had a long stint as one of our featured contributors in years gone by. I figured he'd be the perfect guy to help me branch out here on Sports Entertainment is Dead because I'm going to be bowing to his knowledge of British professional wrestling today. And if you're wondering why I keep emphasising those words, it's Leaf. I was going to say, what an introduction. You even got a few puns in there. I'm quite oh, well, impressed I'm all about the puntastic, puntastic, plantastic, which is a name I've never used before. Um, welcome to the show, Leaf. Thanks for joining me. I figured you were the perfect guy to bring in to help me cover some British professional wrestling, particularly because your passion for British wrestling is palpable whenever you talk to you about it. So um, I asked you to pick a couple of matches because you're going to be here for the next two weeks as all my sort of guest co-hosts yeah. are on the show um, talking about a pair of, of progress wrestling matches that you picked. Uh, for those of you guys listening who may not know, I record these shows in batches of two, which is why my my guests are always here for two weeks. Um, and so when I'm preparing to do the shows, I'll watch the two matches that I'm going to be covering for those two weeks back to back. And of the two that Leaf picked, uh, and I'm, I'm sure he'll expand on this in just a second, um, one of them I really liked, one of them I kind of didn't really like. And I figure the best way is for us to do the one I didn't really like first, because then we can be all positive, all upbeat next week. Um, 
the match that Leaf picked was Jimmy Havoc defending the Progress World Championship in a no disqualification match at chapter Progress Chapter 20 Thunderbastard Beyond Thunderbastard against uh, the the very well known Will Osprey. Uh, and uh, do you want to uh, tell you what Leaf? Do you want to tell the guys listening first of all uh, the story behind picking this particular match? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think anyone who's ever spoken to your plan would know that me picking a hardcore match already sort of puts me at a disadvantage <laughs> of finding a match that you, you probably like. Then when you throw in um, a well-known deathmatch wrestler like Jimmy Havoc and um, someone who many people disagree with me, uh, my views on Will Ospreay is that he's an absolute spot monkey, but I know a lot of people will, um, you know, Will Ospreay apologists will argue there's much more to his game than that, but I think you're probably more of that same type of opinion. So me, I, I sort of picked deliberately a um, a maps that I thought that you wouldn't like, but in the sense that the story was so good, mm. um, and the you know the production bleeding up to it, plus the reaction after the maps that I was kind of intrigued whether you would um, still. And, you know, somehow, by some miracle, end up liking a match. Um, <laughs> I'll be quite honest. Um, at first, uh, for when I first suggested it to you, I'd um, forgotten that this was actually the hardcore match because, as I alluded to later, the two men did actually have a singles match a few um, chapters, as Progress calls it, a few chapters ago um, before this one. But um, okay. after I'd realised my mistake, I, I sort of kept with it and thought, you know what, this is going to be even more divisive because it is a new no disqualification match. But there's the reasons why I actually got them mixed up, which I got to in a moment. But essentially, it's a cocktail of things that Plan hates. And, <laughs> I, you know, I thought, let's go for it. <laughs> I admire your bravery, if nothing else, Leaf. Um, I yeah, I mean, people who listen to the show have read my columns. Who've ever had a conversation with me on social media in any uh, context about wrestling will probably be well aware that uh, I am a, a tough sell when it comes to um, to certain to certain things in wrestling. I'd like to think that I have uh, or try to keep at least an open mind. I, I certainly try to do that approach in this match because uh, before I sort of loaded it up uh, I uh, you know I googled it just to see what kind of the gist of it was uh, saw that it was no disqualification uh, there's there's always as well with particularly probably progress's earlier years that um, and I, I mean quite frankly I wouldn't know if this would be classed as progress's earlier years but um, there's, there's always that uh, and it's not a, it's a snobbery that I try to to avoid but there's that snobbery of it's an indie show you know so the production values are going to be lower than mainstream professional wrestling on on international television and whatnot um, and a cocktail of things I hate is a great expression um, so it was it was it like you say it was it was gonna be an uphill climb we're gonna break this match down over the next sort of uh, 30, 25 30 minutes and, and go into the ins and outs of it. it 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 had you know it had certain interesting things to say that I really liked and there were there were a couple of uh, of glimpses that um, misguided or otherwise were, were admirable in terms of the, the, the seriousness with which they treated their their material which I really enjoyed but um, this is the payoff for what I gathered was a, a very long running uh, not just one long running storyline but it seemed like a series of, of long running storylines. Leaf do you because you're obviously a lot more clued in than I am do you want to set the set the match up before we start, start breaking it down here? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I must admit to you, Pan, I um, became a fan of Progress around chapter 26. Okay. Um, first show I saw was back in 2016. So um, I've been following it for quite some time. Of course, this is a, a match on chapter 20. So my sort of knowledge, so I've tried to go back a little bit. Okay. My knowledge before that isn't the, the best. So I, I like myself just, you know, did a little bit of research into it. I've always heard um, comments here and there from progress wrestling fans about these earlier chapters and the um the huge mega heel run of jimmy havoc um but when you, when you say it's long, quite long drawn out um in less to an extent it is but just to sum things up though the growth of progress um this match taking place at chapter 20 um Pro, progress wrestling had actually formed around um it's quite bad actually because I have it on all the t-shirts. I want to say 2012 um, was when they first started. And at that point, um, this, um, we'll put it this way. I saw chapter 26 in 2016. And um, so at that point, you know, it's it gone to chapter 26 in 2016. And now we're nearly at the 100th chapter in 2019. Um, so bear in mind that this must have took place, I want to say, around 2015. So they'd only had about like 20 chapters within three years. And now all of a sudden they've had an extra 75 or so within the next next three so um it's not as long um yeah actually forget my point there it's actually had been drawn out quite well during that because it's a few years of build-up but essentially will osprey um he came into the promotion at chapter two he's actually in a tag team called the velocity vipers um with uh, another gentleman who I believe got injured in that match and then went into acting for there, just gave up on the business and that was that um, so Will Ospreay sort of became a single star overnight in Progress as a result of that. He was in a uh, tournament called the Natural Progression Series. So what Progress do is they have a annual tournament called the, well, sort of annual, I believe it is, um, called the Natural Progression Series, where the early format of it was that um, there's a tournament, I believe in, in this case, it, I think the first tournament was to crown, I, I could be wrong, so I apologise for any early Progress um, wrestling fans here, but the first tournament was either to crown a new champion or to crown a number one contender. I remember that much. Um, the second tournament, which I believe Ross Bay was in here, was to um, crown a number one contender. He was put into the tournament by Mark Andrews, the winner of the previous one. Um, during that time, um, he went on to challenge Jimmy Havoc and lost in a singles match. Um, it was then a real redemption story in the sense that he tried to get himself back up to the main event again to face Jimmy Havoc. Um, he was part of an elimination match where he um, for the championship where he came up short once more. Um, he ended up winning the opportunity once more to take on Jimmy Havoc for this match by winning another tournament. So Progress had done really well actually in building Will Ospreay as a real tournament wrestler, um, someone who's had to fight against all sorts of odds just to scratch and claw to get to that place. So um, they've actually done a really good job promoting Will Ospreay as a singles wrestler, but almost in a sort of Daniel Bryan-esque. Um, everyone wanted him to win the big one, but there's certain obstacles in his way stopping him, and this was the culmination of that, really. Yeah, you mentioned Daniel Bryan there, and not to... Um, I mean, WWE is obviously my... my frame of reference for anything in wrestling so I try to avoid making too many comparisons to it but um, sometimes you've just got to there was uh, I felt like uh, and I'm not sure how conscious an influence it was but it certainly felt like there was an influence from 
uh, Daniel Bryan's uh, storyline opposite the authority. This was, as you say, the summer of 2015, so it was after WrestleMania 30, and we'd seen all that go down. Whether that was uh, Jimmy Havoc taking out referees, whether it was... Uh, uh, is it Jim Smallman? I believe the gentleman's name is. It uh, is making the making the three count. Um, you know the shenanigans on the outside, the interference, all that sort of stuff. There was a, uh, I thought a a real uh, shade of what we saw at WrestleMania 3 and what we saw from that Daniel Bryan storyline there. Uh, not not to any great extent. You know this didn't seem like it wasn't like I didn't feel like I was watching a hero against the authority style situation here, not least of all because it was Jimmy Havoc who seemed to have the adversarial relationship with uh, with the powers that be. Um, and there's a there's a, so there's a pre-match hype video uh, before oh, the match. Um, there's uh, you know a, a, for want of a better word let's call it theatrical entrances like you would often see at a show like a, a Wrestlemania or recently on AEW's uh, first handful of pay-per-views um, and there's also uh, a, a sense of occasion from the fact that the announced team uh, are banging on about how Jimmy Havoc has been champion for three 600 odd days so um, you know pretty lengthy title reign coming to a coming to a peak as you say will osprey built up as as a challenger for a a, a a long time don't want to be we'll try and keep this spoiler free in terms of the result folks because we don't you know if if you want to if you're not familiar with this match you want to go check it out it'd be cool for you to see it without knowing what the result is um but let's break the the match down then i as we've sort of already covered a little bit wasn't really my cup of tea i did try to approach it with an open mind um and there were glimmers of things that I quite liked, but I'll get into that uh, as we go along. Leaf, what was? Is there anything specifically about the match that you that you like? Is there anything specifically that you would say uh, to me? You're wrong about this. You know, it's actually pretty awesome. I think the company did a fantastic job of making it seem like a huge deal. You already mentioned the commentary mentioning the um, 609-day reign of Jimmy Havoc. Mm. Um, they also mentioned the um, throughout the match, actually, Will Ospreay's reluctance to hit the 650 following uh, an injury that he received um, nine months prior, um, attempting to move. Um, so we got the common threads of that throughout the match. The presentation, both in the video package, that really, really would have sold anyone, I'm sure it did with yourself, on Jimmy Havoc as a mega heel, like whether you like his style of wrestling or not, he was phenomenal getting the fans to hate him, which I think in maybe more so in 2019, it's harder, even just a few few years ago, it's so hard to be a heel in this day and age and maintain that level of the crowd just despising you, really. Um, it also did so well to build up Will Ospreay as this um, plucky babyface character. Um which I thought did, did really well with because if I don't know if you're like me, but I said, well, it's weird. Will Ospreay's moveset lends itself to a face, but he also, he has the physical face of a heel, like his expressions. <laughs> I look at him I and just, I, I want to, I want to root against him because he's, he, he has this sort of obnoxious look about him. And that sounds awful to say. No, I think you're um, right. I mean, <laughs> just if I ju- jump in, I, I, what you were saying at the top of the show as well, everything you've said about Will Ospreay, I'm very much on side with. Uh, he, And like you say, he's, you know, it's it's a situation where he's someone who is just naturally 
as 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 horrendously judgmental as it sounds, uh, it feels naturally dislikable um, because he has a certain uh, cockiness. Which you know, listen, he's a very talented guy, so of course he's he's you know he has every right to have confidence in his abilities. But um, it's it's an interesting situation, like you say, when you then position him as the sympathetic hero of a. Mm of a story um, and in terms of his, his his ring work I mean I've seen not a lot of Osprey but I've seen enough to know that I don't like it generally as a as a sweeping statement as a generalisation no absolutely in fact um, in later years in progress Osprey would actually turn heel against a face Jimmy Havoc oh. um, so we actually got to see the role reversal of this later down the line and um it felt a lot more natural for him to be playing the heel actually to later on, but for the purpose of this match, um, he's someone that, had, you know, later years I found it hard to root for. But off the basis of this build of this match, I found myself invested in wanting him to defy the odds and win. Which I think it's harder when when you have certain a certain feeling about a wrestler. As much as you try to have an open mind, it's so hard sometimes just to go against that personal bias in your head. But for this match, I, I was really really invested in. Will Spray picking up the win, and I felt like the um, everything pre-match and post-match. See, I don't want to talk too much about the post, sure, um, yeah, yeah. the post-match there because I want to spoil the result. But I felt like everything in its presentation really sold you on the alignments of these characters. Okay, what about okay? Um, it's a no disqualification match, uh, and it's a no disqualification match that isn't in uh, a corporate environment, so they're they're able to uh, do stuff that you really would not see. Um, at least prior to AEW coming around, that you really would not see in mainstream uh, professional wrestling. Um, actually, thinking about before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the the pre-match stuff then, because you've you've mentioned that um, one of the things about Will Ospreay that I don't necessarily like is that when I watch a lot of his matches, it's in, in my more critical moments, my harsh moments, I would call it video game wrestling. And the reason I say that is because to my eye, and maybe it's just that my eye is, is, isn't is trained uh, to to spot things in the ring, but to my eye, I watch a match, a typical Will Ospreay match that I've seen, and it looks like something that would be simmed on a on a 2K game hmm. if you were to put two, two characters next to each other. And I extend that criticism to a lot of wrestlers, other people wouldn't extend it to. But then when I never realized the aerial assassin thing was inspired by... Uh, Assassin's Creed, the video game franchise Assassin's yes. Creed, which was obviously uh, the influence that they're worn on its sleeve with his with his pre-match with the entrance intro, yeah. yeah. Um, and s- talking about cocktail of things I hate, when you get a wrestler that I would would say in his worst moments as a video game wrestler coming out to an entrance that is based on a video game, my mind was blown with how meta that all was starting to get. Um, but uh, the the it was an interesting experience watching it because I could definitely see what they were going for and the monologues I thought were quite effective. The the choice of dialogue from the games, I'm guessing, was from the games. Um, about uh, it, it talked about um, uh, consequences to actions, which seemed to be a very prevalent theme to particularly Jimmy Havoc's character and everything that the video package had shown him doing, uh, and would play into you know the the kind of the shenanigans that would unfold as the match goes on. Um, but then it said nothing is true and everything is permitted, and I was like, if there's 
I any love that. phrase that defines Will Ospreay's performer better than I'm yet to find it. Ev- nothing is true and everything is permitted is the way that I would that I would describe his his wrestling when I watch it. It's a very very good point. I mean, I had made a note that I love that quote, but not with too much meaning behind it like that. You raise a very good point. <laughs> um, what what I want to say about the entrance as well is you mentioned yep. about how meta Will Ospreay's entrance was with the. Um, Assassin's Creed um, quotation there throughout it but um, as much as Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay are polar opposites the the fact that they actually built up some similarities during those entrances was uh, fantastic both men had the big entrance both men had people um, like mirror images of them um, for the entrances Um, Will Ospreay you know being this um, meta representation really of assass- uh, an Assassin's Creed character whereas like Jimmy Havoc is so much of his um, his image his look as a professional wrestler is inspired by Davy Havoc of the band A Fire Inside who perform his theme song in okay. fact you've, what you probably heard there was two theme songs because you got the um, literal prelude um, there um, by AFI and uh, followed by the actual um, his actual theme of I Hope You Suffer um, you, you know, even if, if if you were to to Google Davy Havoc at some point, maybe after the show, and um, and then Google Jimmy Havoc, you'll see just from the the from an aesthetic basis how mm. how much he's sort of I'm not going to say modelled himself after him, but at least been influenced. So the mm. fact that both of them uh, were there showing an entrance is how much they're being influenced by outside um, entertainment, so to speak really built up like this parallel where I think if you're going to have a match where you need to portray two men as being dissimilar you have to have some similarities just to sure. sort of drive each other you feel like the characters are meant to be fighting the fight that they are doing mm. okay um, I, yeah no absolutely um, and I thought I mean I thought Havoc's entrance instantly was uh, I didn't I wasn't so fond of Ospreys but Havoc's I thought worked really well with the guys in the masks um, and the and the um, blood on the chests and stuff. There was a mm. real sense of. I wouldn't have been able to tell you who Will Osprey was after his entrance, other than he's an Assassin's Creed fan. I would would have been able to tell you who Jimmy Havoc's character was uh, after his, or at least had a good guess at who Jimmy Havoc's character was after his entrance. So I think that that's very much to his to his um, his benefit. I mentioned earlier that it's a no disqualification match, and they have obviously free reign to be really really hardcore um the the there were moments in the action that that took me out of it there's one particularly uh, awkward moment where um it's the bump through, uh, the table. through the table and you 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 literally see will osprey position himself for it and it's such an awkward moment that that totally took me out of it um do you feel that they use thumbtacks um, and again, WWE being my frame of reference, you know, thumbtacks always put me in mind of that Royal Rumble match between Triple H and Cactus Jack, and they they uh, they are used as the culmination of, you know, it's it's really the emotional high point of the match when those thumbtacks come out, and I think that that's very effective. Do you feel maybe they pulled them out a little too early? Um, I don't think so in this sense okay. because I saw some different spots with the thumbtacks that I hadn't really seen so much um for example the the fun tax in the face followed by the punch um i you know when havoc 
how could place the fun tax in Osprey's mouth, I believe it was, followed by the yes. punch. Um, that was um, a spot that I enjoyed. What, what I liked about the use of weapons in this match here, Plan, is you had the London Riots as the outside enforcers. Now, the uh, I hate to answer your question by sidetracking a little bit here. It's but, all right. It's what um, they, they were introduced as, even though it was a qualification match, sort of enforcers to make sure... Havoc didn't go too far in those reigns. Um, the London Riots were actually part of Havoc's big superhero regression group until um, its previous chapter when it was champ- um, a 4-4 match featuring the champions of the promotion versus um, some other men in, in the promotion, so to speak, who didn't have um, any goal to put on the line but had to instead put their careers on the line. So it was a sense of... if. If a champion's pinned, they'd lose a championship. If someone who didn't hold any gold was pinned, they'd lose their careers. Havoc sold those two men down the river. So what happened a few months later was the London Riots returned against Havoc, which is why um, they'd found themselves in this position in this match. But um, the reason what I really liked about this match and the use of the weapons is because they were on the outside, it kept it somewhat believable in what was being used. Like you, you saw, yeah, you saw at one point Havoc later went for the axe and uh, we'll get to that certainly, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm sure you've probably got that down as one of your pet peeves. But mm-hmm. with, I, I felt there's a lot of logic there. By having them on the outside, it's it, it's not the question of, well, the question I always tend to have in a hardcore match of, well, if anything's legal, how come they're not bringing out complete murder weapons obviously for the fact you know they could go to jail bear bad art you know how come that doesn't sort of happen so they sort of got around that plot hole as well especially considering Jimmy Havoc is being built up as this psycho who doesn't really care about anyone's well-being um, the, the the weapons that brought out were you know, not life-threatening as such, but obviously there to inflict pain. And uh, as to the as to the fun tactics being brought out early, because um, the axe would later come into play as more well, you, you can't get more of a culmination than someone bringing out, you know, a bloody axe, so to speak. Um, but because of that, I didn't mind where the fun tactics were in this match because they had this other weapon to be brought out. Um, where it went one better uh, I must stress as well the axe was only brought out when the London Knights were taken out the equation so if you're there wondering why I was saying it was great that this didn't come into play and then it later does do there is a reason for that well let's talk about the axe briefly I mean we, we're, we're fast running out of time so and I want to cover some of the stuff that I did like but my issue with the axe is is this it's to do with tension um, so uh, you know you to use the example I was using a moment ago you bring thumbtacks out at the end of a match uh, and there's tension there as to whether someone's going to go into them or not because you can genuinely believe someone is going to end up going into them. So the tension arises from the fact, who is it going to be and when is it going to happen? Someone brings out a sledgehammer to use another famous trope. Same thing, you know, kind of that it's, it's going to be gimmicked and you can get away with pretending someone's been hit in the head with a sledgehammer. Fine. I know um, where you're going with this. Someone brings an axe out. It's you know no one's hit. getting hit with an axe because it's a fucking axe. <laughs> you know, the only exactly. way that can end is with dismemberment, and you aren't going to see dismemberment in a mm-hmm. professional wrestling match. So the minute that someone brings an axe out into play, I can I can see what they're going for. You know, I understand the concept that they're trying to grasp at. But the problem is that, for me at least, there's no tension there because I know Will Ospreay isn't going to get hit by an axe because it's an axe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's so that's if it would if it had been a I saw one of the London Riots guys having a cricket bat. 
or if it had been a baseball bat or anything of or or a bloody sledgehammer or whatever if it had been something you could gimmick and get away with hitting him with then it probably would have for me worked a little bit more effectively because it was an axe and it was obviously an, a, a real axe I knew for a fact that that was going to end up with Will Ospreay either mm-hmm. doing something as a comeback. So there's no tension in the moment. I yeah. know it's not leading anywhere. Um, so that's... I, go on. I guess I get that. I mean, Will Ospreay was certainly in a beheading position, so to speak, yeah, as well. Yeah, precisely. As if it wasn't, as if it wasn't uh, choreographed enough for what was going to happen. Quite. Um, yeah. But let's let's we've got about five minutes left, and I do want to talk about some of the stuff that I did like. There were things that I did like about it. I didn't hate the whole thing. Um, I wasn't a fan of the way the the action played out, which I thought was a bit formless, honestly. But what I did like was um, then you you mentioned this at the top of the show. I think that the narrative uh, that they were that they were telling about Osprey being this young kid who'd r- risen up through the ranks to take out this this vile individual who had I mean in a situation not too dissimilar to a Brock Lesnar situation there's a real sense of him holding that championship hostage holding the company hostage uh, and here you have you know this this young hero looking to uh, to go through hell just to take that off of him that's I think really emotionally emotionally effective um even though I had issues with the fact that Smallman kept repeatedly counting three counts out of position and there was no way you could possibly tell whether Osprey or Havoc was kicking out, I did like the fact that it came down to him having to get into the ring, especially because there was a history there and they played off of that. I even liked the fact that they essentially hinged the dramatic climax of the match around can Osprey hit the move or, or will Osprey try to hit the move or not that he is, uh, you know... Uh, for want of a better phrase, chickened out from trying since his injury. Mm. I thought that was a really clever notion, and I really like it when matches hinge on simple ideas like that. Unfortunately, I did feel it was a little bit telegraphed from how relentlessly the commentary kept going yeah. on about it. Um, but uh, generally, I, I I really liked. It. So on a conceptual level, I thought everything was on fire, and and the fact that. You know, I've always said that when wrestlers are, are enjoying what they're doing on screen, it shows. And when they're not enjoying what they're doing on screen, it shows. And, and uh, very, very much you've got a real sense with how seriously they were treating the presentation, uh, how, regardless of its production values, how seriously they were uh, they were determined to put on a, a, what they wanted to feel like a big match situation. Um, were I not so heavily rooted in WWE mythos, that probably would have hit home a little bit more So I can, I can, than it did. So I could certainly understand uh, mm. the effect that that would have on progress wrestling fans particularly. So all of that stuff I thought was, was, was really, really, if, if nothing else, admirable, but at its best, rather quite good. Of course. Now, can I just ask you a question there, Van? I mean, uh, it's related to something you just said a moment ago there, but it's the epic style of match with the... Um, New, numerous finishes being hit, the kickouts, the long drawn out, unbelievable kickouts over a long period of time. Um, that's not the type of match you normally lend yourself to, is it? Well, it doesn't uh, normally lend itself to you. Not at all. <laughs> so, um, but what I liked about this was you mentioned there that the commentary team did a great job of continuing this narrative thread of will Will Ospreay hit the 630. Granted, maybe it's telegraphed a little bit too much as you said but that for me made it like almost okay that there was so many big kickouts because you felt like this story could only be settled by that move because they kept repeating that I didn't mind so much when Will Ospreay was kicking out of god knows how many acid rainmakers uh, despite the fact that the finishers should always be protected 
I mean, this is a champion that's held a belt for 609 days. He's put away God knows how many people with that move. It was going to be just in this match where he just can't get that done. And the conscious team are building up that it's going to it's going to revolve around a certain move being hit in this match or not being hit. Um, then it, I was fine with it. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, Leaf, the, the fact that it was that kind of a match was sort of lost on me, probably because I was too caught up in hating the hardcore stuff <laughs> to hate two things at once. Um, I, I did note, though, that I, I felt like a lot of the false finish, and I'm not inherently opposed to people doing it, you know, to, to matches doing it. It's just that I think that they're very hard. It's very rare that they're done in a way that is effective for me. Um and certainly, I mean, if this had been a Johnny Gargano match in NXT today, then what would have happened is Will Ospreay would have hit his move and then they're, oh, I'm giving away the, the finish here, but never mind. Uh, spoiler alert, Will Ospreay would have hit the move and then and then there'd have been another 16 minutes of match after that, um, which is my big gripe with Johnny Gargano, but I'll not get sidetracked so we'll be here for another half an hour if I do. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my only issue with it, like I say, is the fact that the commentary team, they... I felt like they couldn't have made it more obvious. They not not because they kept mentioning it, but because they kept deliberately saying he's not going to hit it. He's never going to hit it. He won't hit it. He's not going to try to hit it. He'll never hit it. And it's like, come on, guys, you know, this Triple H lent you your sledgehammer because it's 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 getting a bit a bit obvious. But um, so yeah, so basically, it mixed bag for me this one. It was conceptually something that I could get on board with and that I thought was was really admirable and and. Uh, if nothing else, demonstrative of why progress have gotten to where they are as a promotion, because they treat stuff like this with such uh, gravity. Uh, but the content itself, not so much up my street, but it uh, wasn't originally in the match that you wanted me to watch, I gather. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more the singles match. And the, the reason why I got these mixed up was because what I took away most from this match was the the entrances to it and also yep. the ending and the aftermath. The, the whole the story being built before and after it and around it, so to speak, that's what I remember more than the actual content of the match itself. But because the story was that solid, that's, I, I look back at it fondly based on the story itself. So um, I actually, in my mind, got mixed up with the singles match at first. But as I say, once I realised my mistake, I didn't tell you to go back and watch the other one because this was, again, <laughs> going to be another hurdle for you to try and get over, which um, <laughs> I, I'm glad that you still... Um, still enjoyed it and I think as well you know there wasn't really any blading the spots were as controlled as they can be in that type of match I think considering you see when you see some of the stuff that Jimmy Havoc gets up to otherwise in death matches I think it was not going to say safe but at least considered um, and the, the one other thing and I know we obviously want to wrap this up but sure. the post-match reaction um, so to speak I'm not going to say whether it's a huge pop or a huge you know jeering yep. session so to speak but you, you had to be moved by that uh, well I wasn't um, but, <laughs> but uh, not to take away from your point no I, I totally understand certainly the, the emotion that you see on screen feels very real uh, and authentic which is, is, is always really nice to see regardless of what you think about uh, the performer or the match or, or whatever. So um, absolutely. And again, for, for progress wrestling fans, it, it's all in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? For for people who will have followed that promotion from day one to have arrived at that point, it would have been a hugely emotive moment. So um, Leaf, maybe, it, I mean, you're here next week with me uh, to cover another progress match. If you come back on the show in the future, I'd love to have you back again on the future. Uh, maybe we can look at the one that you were wanted to look at this week then. 
Absolutely, yeah. Make sure that's down, and also make sure that we consider a match that isn't from Progress. I know exactly the one. It's just um, it seemed quite fitting whilst talking about one Progress match, which is going to sure. be um, the one we're covering next week, yep. uh, to go with a double header. Um, cool. And I think to lead into next week's episode, I think we've got the perfect match for a um, takeover Cardiff preview, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely, but that's uh, next week. And by the way, Leaf, uh, you've uh, just—if uh, you've just heard Leaf say that—you've gotten onto the fact that this has been recorded in uh, August, even though it won't be going out until around December. Oh right, okay. <laughs> well, by that point. <laughs> so there we are. Um, It—it's uh, still topical. Hey, you know, NXT Takeover Cardiff will have happened by that point, and by the time you listened to this, and uh, yeah. So, but we'll deal with that next week. Leaf, thank you for joining me. Uh, Have you got? Do you want to plug anything before we get out of here, or are you good? I'm good. I'm not really much of a writer these days, but (laughs) fair dues. Well, thank you for joining me, uh, and I will see you next week. I'll see you next week. Plan's been a pleasure. My thanks once again to Leaf, but I myself do have some quick things to plug, which is, of course, the means by which you can get into contact with me. If you have any thoughts or feelings on anything that we've discussed on the show this week, you can do so by tweeting me at LOP Plan. You can look me up on Facebook, just look for Samuel Plan. You can drop me an email at samuel.plan101 at gmail.com. You can drop me a comment on lordsofpain.net on any of my comment columns or podcast posts. You can even head over to Spreaker and do it there if you so wish. Or, of course, best of all, you can sign up to LOP Forums. Turn those great comments we get each and every single week into great columns instead. Or, hell, if you just want to hang out with some good wrestling folks, it's a great place to go and do it. I genuinely believe it's the best corner of the IWC going, so don't hesitate to sign up to LOP Forums by following the link at the top of lordsofpain.net. Once again, thanks to Leaf. He'll be back next week. We are set to discuss Volta versus Tyler Bate for the Progress World Championship at Progress Chapter 70. Hello, Wembley. But that's next week. And until then, I hope you stay safe and have a good one, guys.